the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sariah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign, Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. You know you're old when it takes you a couple tries to get over a speed bump. You know you're old when it takes you longer to rest than it did to get tired. When a 30-year-old mortgage sounds like a pretty clever scam. When your best friend is dating someone half their age and isn't breaking any laws. You know you're old when you discover the meaning of life, but then you forgot to write it down. You know you're old when you often repeat things. You often repeat things. You often repeat things. You know age has a way of sneaking up on all of us eventually. It can leave you with that sense that the best of your life is behind you. Maybe it's not age for you, but just that sense that you missed out on your chance at life to fulfill your dreams or to do something really meaningful. Well, if that's how you feel, chapter 2 of the story is going to be really good news for you. There's a noticeable pattern with God in the Bible where he picks the person to help him with his plan to get us back, who in the lower story sees themselves as the least qualified person for the job. In chapter 1 of the story, God unveiled his vision. He simply wanted to come down into the lower story, which he created, and be with us. But the first people, Adam and Eve, didn't embrace that vision and as a result were escorted from the garden. A spiritual virus was born in Adam and Eve that creates the option for evil and selfishness in our lives and our relationships with others. This kind of lifestyle has no place in the community of God. We also learned that this spiritual virus, which the Bible simply calls sin, is transmitted to all of Adam's offspring, and that means us. We found in the story of Noah that the plan to get us back into a relationship with God will not come from people not even from the best of us. So God begins to unveil his plan in chapter 2 to get us back. He's going to create a brand new nation. Why? Through this nation, set apart for his purposes, he will reveal his presence and his power 
and his plan to get us back. People of all nations who watch this new nation will be able to discover and see what God is up to. So the first order of business is to pick a couple to get this nation started. Now who would you pick? A young, vibrant, good-looking, healthy, influential couple with a medically proven capacity to crank out lots of children? That's how we think in the lower story. But God thinks differently in the upper story. Later in the story, Isaiah will tell us that his ways are higher than our ways. God selects an old couple named Abram and Sarai. When God first taps them on the shoulder, Abram is 75 and Sarai is 65. They've got their AARP card in hand, discounts at Denny's for the early seating, and collect Social Security checks monthly. In addition to this, in addition to their age, Sarai is barren. She can't have any children. Why does God pick them? He does this so when people see this great nation, they will see the, not the strength of Abram and Sarai, but their weakness. They will see God as the one above the scenes of their lives building this amazing nation. They will see his presence. They will see his power and his plan unfolding. At the opening of chapter 2, God invites Abram to go and leave the comforts of his homeland to a place that God would show him. And he promised to not only give them children, but to make them into a great nation. Not only this, but this new nation would one day be a blessing to all people on the earth. Abram likely didn't comprehend this completely, but, but God was saying to him, I'm going to use you and this nation as my plan to provide a way for all people to come back into the garden. The Bible simply says, so Abram went. In Hebrews chapter 11, we are told, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now there's one thing I know about senior citizens. Being the proud possessor of my own AARP card, we don't like change. How many senior citizens does it take to change a light bulb? Change. Who said anything about change? But this older couple dug deep, got way out beyond their comfort zone, and believed in God. This is their only claim to fame. The story doesn't unfold as smoothly as you'd think. The first order of business is to start popping out kids, right? To have a nation, you've got to have peoples, at least one. That's logic to us lower story dwellers. Yet ten years go by and still no children. Abram is now 85 and Sarai 75. So Sarah gets to thinking, maybe God needs our help. That phrase always leads to disaster. She concocts a plan where Abram sleeps with her servant Hagar. Abram, as suspected, puts up no objections. They have a child named Ishmael. God comes to them and says, I will make Ishmael's offspring into a great nation, but this is not my plan. Ishmael is the father of the Arab nation and the foundation of Islam. Thirteen more years go by and still no child. Abram is now 99 and Sarai 89. God comes to them and changes their names. Abram's name, which ironically means father in Hebrew, is changed to Abraham, which means father of many. Ouch! Sarai's name, which means princess in Hebrew, is changed to Sarah which means queen. Ouch. Hard names to live up to. Finally, a year later, Sarah 
has a child who's named Isaac. Isaac means laughter. You'd laugh too if you had a child when you were a hundred years old. But the story isn't over. When Isaac is around 15 years old, just about to get his camel's license, God comes to Abraham and asks him to do a crazy, I mean completely crazy thing. Abraham is now 115 and Sarah 105. Optimal years for raising teenagers, wouldn't you say? Here's how it reads. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. You know, I'm just the average Joe trying to get by in the lower story, but this seems completely insane. But Abraham obeys. We're told in the story or in Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham figured that God would raise Isaac from the dead. Now that's faith. As Abraham was bringing the knife down to take the life of his son, an angel, likely Jesus himself, told Abraham to stop. That God has provided a ram whose horns have gotten caught in the thicket. Abraham sacrifices the ram and takes his son home. Whew, that was close. Well, we are told that Isaac gets married to a gal named Rebecca. Now listen to this. They are married 20 years before they have their first child. This nation-building thing is, is really off to a slow start. But they have twins, Jacob and Esau, and we're told that Jacob has 12 children. Finally, we've got some real momentum. You think you're too old? You think you've missed your chance to do something big, something significant? That's the way we think in the lower story. But if we align our lives to God and what He's up to, some of our best years are still ahead of us. Oh, one more thing you may have noticed. Embedded in this incredible story is a clue of what is to come. In the story, God said to Abraham, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Compare this with John chapter 3 and verse 16 of the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. See the parallel? But not only that, do you know where the hill of Moriah is? Second Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1 tells us that it is the place that will later become the city of Jerusalem. It is the same hill 2,080 years later that God's one and only son, Jesus, would be offered up as a sacrifice on a cross. Good morning. It's good to be with you today. And uh, what I like about the story of Abraham and, and Sarah, that they, they were human. That, that sounds kind of silly, but we have a lot in common with, with these folks. They were skeptical of, of God's plans. They, they went around God's plans and tried to, to help God out. What can we learn from Abraham's example? What can we learn from his life. This is quite a story and how God began a nation. There's a lot to be learned from, from these two. How God wants to use you at any age. How God's timing is, isn't in step with our timing. How God's plans are certainly different from ours. 
Lessons like how God always follows through on His promises. How God will test our faith and our obedience through difficult circumstances. We could spend a few weeks on these topics alone. But what I really want to focus on this morning, week two of of the story, God Builds a Nation, um, is the faith and the obedience and the sacrifice of Abraham. And in particular, I want to focus on that story where Abraham is, a, is told to go sacrifice his son Isaac. And the story is found, as you know, is in Genesis 22. It's interesting to, to know that Abraham, or Abram meant father, and Abraham meant father of many. And how God really did fulfill his promise to this man. And when I, when I think of the word Abraham, I hear that name, there's a song that comes to mind. I don't know if anybody, is there a song when you think of Abraham? What is it? Father Abraham. Father Abraham. We have a volunteer to come and lead that? <laughs> How many know that song? Raise your hand. Do you want to sing it? No? Okay. okay. Some of you are like, let's do it. Uh, right hand, left hand, right foot, left foot, head forward, head back, turn around, sit down. That sounds like, we should try that this morning. <laughs> should we do it, Tim? Yeah. No, we're not going to do it. That would be funny to see you all participating in that song. That's kind of a, I don't, I don't get that song. Anyway, Abraham set out to, to prove to God that he loved God more than anyone or anything. He was destined to do that. Let me ask you, what, what about you today? Does God know that you love him more than anyone or anything? When God asks us to do something totally beyond logic... Um, what will our responses be? Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. I want to read. It'll be on the screen. It says this. Later on, God tested Abraham's, Abraham's faith and obedience. Wow. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. I wonder if some of us would have tried to hide if God was calling us. I wonder if some of us would be like, hmm, I don't hear God say anything. I'm just going to keep living my life. Or will we respond and say, here I am, God. God goes on and says this, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac. I think, I think Abraham knew who his son was. But God wanted to make sure, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will point out to you. Now there's some several things that about the story. They they weren't easy for, for Abraham to do. But he did them anyway. And I think today we can learn some things from his example. Um, first thing I thought was put faith in God's plan. Put faith in God's plan. Verse 3 of chapter 22 says this, The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. I can imagine uh, him dreading that morning. It's like uh, the next day you've got a, an exam or a final, or maybe it's an interview, and you're just or nervous. Or, but here was Abraham not looking forward to this morning because he knows what he has to do. So he wakes up his son Isaac and they, 
He chopped some wood to build a fire for a burnt offering, and he set out for the place where God had told him to go. Think about that story. I, I agree with the, the speaker on the video, Randy. This is such a bizarre story. I mean, what parent would do this? What parent in their right mind would do this? But Abram had faith in God's plan. Let me slow down and say that again. He had faith in God's plan. God told him to go to Mount Moriah near Jerusalem. It was about a 50-mile journey. Abraham knew that God was up to something, although he didn't know exactly what it was. Put yourself in his shoes. But that's faith. That's faith. It's believing and trusting in the unseen. I realize even personally this morning how hard that can be to exercise your faith in God's plan. Maybe you feel like your faith in God is on a 50,000-mile journey. Let me ask you, as I've asked myself many, many times, do you, do I honestly believe that God has a plan for your life? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? He's not a fan of my preaching. That's all right. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Let me ask you again. Do you honestly believe that God has a plan for your life? I know I'm the pastor you know, here and speaking today. And Do you have a plan for your life? Does God have a plan for your life? No matter how old or young you are, do you know what that is? Do you have faith in God's plan? It's different. Your plan's different than mine. You see, you have to wrestle with that question before you can move on. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Do you have faith to believe that God has a plan for your life? God knew when you would be born. He knew where you'd live and who you'd marry or who you will marry, who your friends are what kind of job or school you go to. God knows everything about you. You see, we don't know the future or or what's around the corner because we cannot see that in our lives, but we know that someone who is God, he does know the future. I know that's not what we want to hear today, especially if you've been on this journey, this faith journey a while. Maybe you've been praying for an answer from God. Maybe you've been praying for a long time. Maybe you're struggling today. I know I've kind of been on that journey and struggling with God's plan for my life. But the challenge and example of Abraham today is to keep the faith. Don't give up. Put your faith in God's plan for your life and you'll never, ever regret it. So what happens when you do that, when you put your faith in God's plan for your own life, personal life. What happens? I believe you gain perspective. You have a different outlook, a a different point of view in life. And when you take on this journey and you begin to walk with God in a real relationship, not religion, not this form, not this, you know, I just want to look like I'm a follower. No, you are really a follower of Christ and it's, it's real. You must learn to put faith in God's plan for your life, for your life, not for your spouse or your children or your friend, for your life. And when you do that, you'll gain perspective. You you may not know all the answers. 
But he gives you a perspective. Well, how? How do you put your faith in God's plan? You investigate it. You check it out. You see, Abraham had blind faith in God. He just set out for that place where, where God told him to go. He got up the next morning. He gathered the wood. He grabbed his son and the two servants, and he began to move. Okay, God, I'm going to where you, where, where you tell me. I'm going to investigate this plan of yours. Okay, God, I'll do what you've asked me to do. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure what's around the corner or what you're up to, but I have faith that you know what you're doing. How many of us have prayed that prayer? I have faith that you know what you're doing, God. It's really hard right now. I don't understand. This is painful. I don't get it. The circumstances are rough, but God, I have faith in your plan. Do you have faith in God's plan for your life? Can I encourage you as I have to encourage myself every day? Take a step of faith and put your faith in His plan. Don't give up. Don't quit. He really does have a plan for your life. It doesn't matter who you are. He loves you and He cares about your life. You're not a number. You're not just a face in the crowd. He cares about your life. He has a plan and a purpose specifically for you to fulfill. What else can we learn from Abraham's life? Well, follow through on obeying God's way. Follow through on obeying God's way. You see, obedience can be a negative word in our vocabulary. Obedience can be just a negative word. But Abraham is such a good example of obeying God's way. Verses verses 7 and 8. Isaac said, Father, (laughs) yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have wood for the fire, said the boy, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Here's a 15-year-old teenage boy who was putting two and two together. He was like, what's going on here? What's, What's happening? God will provide a lamb, my son, Abraham answered. And they both went on together. Okay, Dad, I'm trusting you. (laughs) This is kind of weird. Normally we take an an animal with us to sacrifice, but I'm going to trust you. Father and son walk up the mountain. First, Abraham put his faith in God's plan. Then Abraham followed through in obeying God's way. Abraham obeyed God. Don't you think it was... It was a hard journey for Abraham to take with his son. Don't you think that was a struggle there? Knowing that his own flesh and and blood would be the sacrifice? Do you think Abraham struggled with those thoughts? Do you you think that? He loved his son very much. He was a miracle child from God. He was 100 years old when this little, little guy was born. He was the answer to a promise that God would build a great nation through Abraham. And here he was, side by side, walking up a mountain, about ready to kill his son. Now God was asking him to kill him. I, I, I think he would have struggled. But Abraham, he did the hard thing. He obeyed God. He took the high road of obedience instead of the low road of selfishness. I don't know what my response would have been. Uh, what? What, God? That must have been a bad pizza I heard. That's not God. God, this is, wait, 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 this is my son. You you promised. Uh, No. 
No, I'm not going to do that. But Abraham obeyed God. Maybe you think it was easy for Abraham to obey God. We can think that because we know the end of the story. (laughs) But at the time, Abraham didn't know the end of the story. And I believe it was extremely hard for Abraham as a father to walk up that mountain. I'm sure Abraham did not run up that mountain. I'm sure he wasn't at a fast pace saying, let's hurry, let's hurry. I'm sure he was taking his time and said, wow, son, look at that tree over there. Look at that bear, you know, whatever. He was just taking his time because he wanted to delay it. But he obeyed God. Listen, if you don't have faith in God's plan for your life, then you certainly won't obey God's way for your life. Let me rewind that. Listen, if you don't have faith in God's plan for your life, then you certainly won't obey God's way for your life. Abraham had such faith in God that whatever God says, Abe did. He just did it. Obedience. Just how obedient to God and to his word are we? I think we have the tendency to think that we would have done what Abraham did. We would have just obeyed God, but really would we have, honestly? So what happens when you follow through very difficult at times and following through in obedience to God's way? I didn't say it was easy, but sometimes what happens when you do that, when you take, okay, I'm going to obey you, God. Wow. I believe there's a peace that comes over you from God that you just can't explain. And and after you take that step of obedience, you just feel like a, a deep peace that God is in control of your life. God's in control. And that's a very cool feeling to have, even when you are up against something difficult in your life. I don't know what you're facing. Even when the doctor gives you bad news, even when you don't feel like doing the right thing, but you're going to obey anyway. You follow through on, on obeying God, and he'll bring a peace you can't explain. How do you follow through on obeying God's way? Well, you learn and you obey God's word. You see, following Christ isn't complicated. We make it complicated. We make it harder than it is. Love God, learn, and obey His Word. In other words, do what God wants. <laughs> and the result of that will be such a peace that you won't believe it. To love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. To love one another. Maybe there's no peace in your life because you aren't obeying God's Word. I'm just saying, I don't know. So first, Abraham put his faith in God's plan. That's the first hurdle that you and I have to, to jump over. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Again, Abraham was 75. God had a plan for his life. doesn't matter your age. Then Abraham followed through in obeying God's way. How difficult that would have been to take his son and, and go on that 50-mile journey knowing that his son is not coming home with him. That would have been very hard to do. Do you see the extraordinary measures that he took in obedience? Third, I believe, be ready to sacrifice for God's honor. Be ready to sacrifice for God's honor. Verses 9 and 10. When they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, um, he built an altar and placed the wood on it. I don't know if this happened or not, but maybe Isaac helped him gather the stones. And they built this stone altar, and he laid the wood on there. And 
Then they tied Isaac up. I, I, again, I cannot fathom this image of a 75 or at this time 115-year-old man tying up a 15-year-old dad. What, 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 are you, what are you doing, dad? I don't know if you tie him in the front. and Was this a game, dad? What's going on? What, what are you doing? Do you think the son wavered a little bit in his trust of his father? God, what, what's, what, what are you doing? And Abraham took the knife and he lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. What would have happened if uh, God didn't stop Abraham from killing his son? <laughs> we would have thought that Abraham was a, a lunatic madman who thought he heard from God, but it was cheese or something, and, and to, to murder his own son. And, and today we'd be talking about Abraham and what not to do. Okay, Do not kill your kids. Okay, Don't do that. But that's not what happened. A- Abraham put his faith in God and his plan, and he followed through on, in obedience to God's ways of doing things. He just, okay, my faith is here, my obedience is here, that he was ready to sacrifice for God's honor. In other words, he loved God more than his son. He was so grateful to receive this son and so grateful that this son was the answer to the promise from God that he was going to build a great nation. And, and Abraham was willing, but he said, okay, God, I lay that all aside. I love you more than my son. That took some guts to follow through on. But Abraham did follow through. And God saw his heart. God knew his heart. God could see that Abraham loved him more than his only son, Isaac. And so God stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son. What a, a celebration that would have been, untying his son and hugging him. So what happens when you are ready to sacrifice for God's honor? What happens when you're ready to lay everything down on the altar and do what God wants for you to do, no matter what your age is? What happens when you lay your family and your career and your money and your dreams and your health and you lay it all down to do God's will for your life? You just lay it on the altar and say, God, I love you more than all of this. When you and I sacrifice something for God, He rewards us. I don't always know what He rewards us with or when He will do that, but He does. He sees that you and I are serious about loving Him more than anything else in life. How do you come to that place? How do you get to this place where you are ready to sacrifice for God's honor? You're ready to lay it all? Say, God, here it is. I'm laying it before you. And this may sound weird, but you subscribe to to loose, loose grip living. Abraham had a loose grip on that knife. In other words, when we put our faith and our obedience in God and His plan and His ways, God rewards us. God blesses us. God sees your sacrifice. You see, Abraham walked with God. He had this relationship with the Heavenly Father. It was authentic. It was real. It was genuine. He had complete trust in God the whole time. You can never go wrong when that happens. And when God wants, to, God wants to walk with you and watch you grow. You see, we can choose to hang on to 
tightly our way of doing things, our security, our needs, our desires, our dreams, and we can hold on to that, or we can hold on everything with a loose grip and make our stronghold God. How tight is your grip today? How tight is your grip to those things that matter most to you? Do they matter more, than, more to you than God? Those things that you're holding on to, how tight is your grip? Take the example of Abraham. He walked with God. And that requires faith. That requires obedience. And that requires sacrifice. We could spend a, a month on just those topics right there. Requires faith, obedience, and sacrifice. So put faith in God's plan. Follow through on obeying God's way. Be ready to sacrifice for God's honor. See, I want to be known as someone who walked with God. Someone who had a genuine relationship with Jesus. You could tell that it's real. Someone who had faith in God and, and God's plan, even in the storms of life. Some of you are in those storms. Some of you are about to head into a storm. Some of you maybe are on the tail end of a storm. You know what I'm talking about, that faith in God's plan. I want to be someone who obeyed God, even when it didn't make any sense, even when it was very hard to do. Simply obey the word of the Lord. To be someone who sacrificed and laid it all down for God's honor. That's what I want to be. So as I close this morning, where are you at in your journey with God right now? If God asked you to do something, do you have enough faith in His plan for your life? Do you trust Him enough to say yes to His plan? You have to answer that question before you can go on to the next one. Maybe some of you are struggling right now because you... You have your plans in place and your dreams in place and you don't want no, no one or nothing to mess that up. And God may have a different plan for your life. Are you willing to surrender and give it up? Put faith in His plan? Will you put feet to your faith and obey His way? Sometimes faith is the first hurdle, but you can't stop there. You've got to put feet to your faith. You've got to obey the Lord. What areas of your life are you not obeying God in? What areas of your life are you saying to God, you're not welcome here and here and here, but the, the rest you can have? Are you willing to sacrifice for His honor? Are you willing to lay it all there? What's important to you? What's coming before, before God? What do you need to give up in your life? Walking with God requires faith, obedience, and sacrifice. Do you want to walk with God? Do you want to be known as a, a man or woman of God? Do you have a real relationship with Jesus? Because he wants one with you. Let's pray. God, this morning as we took a few moments to look at the life of Abraham and Sarah and and the example they, they lived out. I pray that um, we will be challenged 
by their story. To put faith in the plan that you have for our lives. Then we would obey your ways and do what you want us to do and then we would sacrifice for your honor. And I know, Lord, for me it's it's been a struggle. The faith and the obedience, not knowing what you have for my life. And I know there's probably others in this room as well to trust you. Because we we can't see the future, so we, we don't know if this plan of yours will work. We just don't know, but that's what you want of us, God. Your word says that we cannot please you without faith. Are we a people of faith or are we not? But then, Lord, after that hurdle, are we willing to obey? No matter what you say, we'll obey. Speak to our hearts today. Help us to lay everything on that altar and be willing to give it up for you. And I believe when we do that, God, you see our hearts and you know that we're willing to lay all that down because we love you more. Our families, our careers, our dreams, all those things, Lord, help us to lay them before you. And I believe, Lord, you reward us and you bless us and you, you give them back to us as you did Isaac to, Jake, to Abraham. Thank you, God, that you never go back on your promises, that you are no respecter of persons. You have a plan for every single one of us in this room, everyone on this earth. I pray that we would have the faith to believe that and we would surrender our lives to you. Thank you for this day and for your presence here in Jesus' name. Amen.